Okay, everybody, um, we are at eight o'clock and we have a bunch of people have joined us online here. So I feel we should get started. Let's not keep everybody waiting in suspense, as it were. Alpha, we're good. We're recording. We are good and recording. Yeah, go for it. Excellent. So everyone knows we are recording. If you are not uh, a panelist, could you please put yourself on mute while we conduct the session? I will also ask if you could please put your questions into the GM questions channel and please do add questions and upvote your favorite questions because uh, we will give those priority as we uh, as we go. And if there's a question or a discussion that's happening that you think, hey, wow, this is really interesting, uh, please take the discussion over to the seminar chat channel. Uh, that's a great place, can be very active in, in these discussions. Um, feel free to carry on all the conversation you want within there. I will, I may slightly monitor it, but my focus really will be on the GM questions, which is why I'm asking you to keep the questions um, in the questions in the chat in the chat. Uh, this session will be recorded and available at a later time, so you can uh, review uh, what we've discussed tonight. And we have tonight three uh, trapeze artists, uh, or trap artists, um, as, uh, as Stephen uh, had uh, put it in the chat earlier. I, I do no justice to his, uh, his uh, terrible puns. Sorry, Stephen, I did call it a terrible pun, but it did make me laugh and groan. Uh, we have tonight uh, Michelle. Uh, Gavin and Daryl, can I call you Theo? <laughs> it's, it's call kind me of, whatever you want. <laughs> it's kind of habitual, so I will I will start by introducing you as Daryl, uh, and I will just say that if I call you Theo later, it's uh, it's it's habitual because uh, it, it it's just impressed upon my mind. Okay, so um, to get started, could I get everyone to make a charisma check, please? A charisma saving throw. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's my trap. <laughs> All right. Um, we're going to start with uh, some questions from the from the from the chat room. Uh, let me pick here. Oh, we got uh, someone. Alpha's making a charisma check. Alpha, you pass. I know you do. <laughs> All right. Oh, doesn't seem to work. Oh, are you trying with the uh, Abre? It's probably uh, turned off in this channel. So, um, I rolled that. an actual die. Yes. I have it at my desk. I have a three. Does that? I didn't know you really <laughs> wanted it, but I took a roll anyway. Can you roll with advantage? Sure. I, I rolled a 365. The three turned into a four. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. And, uh, Michelle, what did you get? 365. I'm not buying that somehow. <laughs> it was in my own D20. <laughs> okay. And uh, Gavin, do you have a role or a made-up role? Uh, fortunately, I have a third-party supplement. I took a feat <laughs> from it that lets me substitute uh, wisdom checks for charisma checks, but I still failed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. Okay. Um, Michelle, I think your 365 will, uh, will do it. So I'm going to start with you um, with the first question here. And I think... I think I'm going to go straight to this one from Josh, Josher. How do you deal with players being stumped by a riddle? Do you have any non-metagame way, ways of giving hints? So I don't particularly care to use riddles in most of my games, largely because I think that they're somewhat of a tired trope. Um, they might have been original like 20 years ago, 
but mm-hmm. I just don't see it being a thing nowadays. I'm actually, I was a player one time, and um, this is giving you an idea of my feeling towards it. I was a player one time, and we were trying to do a quest or something for a, a demigod who was in prison somewhere, and we were trying to free him. And the, dem- the god would always speak in like these riddles, and I stopped and got really angry and said, Okay, you want us to free you. Why don't you actually say the, what the hell you mean <laughs> instead of these stupid riddles? But the problem is that riddles, generally speaking, uh, I don't know if you've ever done like, uh, actually, historically, riddle contests were very popular and fun. The problem is that they're interpretational. In other words, what you think is the answer is could fit, you know, like your riddle could probably, there's probably two or three hundred ways that the riddle could be answered. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm just speaking about riddles, not traps in this particular case. Yeah. So, so why don't we, why don't we take, take the question, you can interpret it to be like any kind of uh, oh, okay. tra- trap or puzzle that, that the party so encounters. This... And now they're kind of like, okay, what do we do with this? So if we, if we put the definition more broadly, okay. Um, how would you, uh, how would you, okay. Well, I'm just going to just finish the part I was saying. My, my, one of my favorite riddles is um, how is a raven like a writing desk? Anybody remember that one? Or ever see that one? I, I don't know it. It's from, it's from Lewis Carroll. You yeah. know. The original riddle almost. Almost the original riddle. And the thing is, he didn't intend, Lewis Carroll, uh, who um, wrote Alice in Wonderland, did not intend for the riddle to have an answer. It was meant to be a nonsense riddle. Mm. It didn't have an answer, except that a, 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 one of a fan of the of the of the books wrote back to him and said, uh, a, uh, "A raven is like a writing desk because Poe wrote on both." <laughs> That's actually very clever. And yeah, and uh, uh, Lewis Carroll was just floored because he went, "Wow, <laughs> it was a riddle that I didn't intend to have answered, but." Yeah, someone came up with a particularly good answer. That's the thing. I think that players will almost invariably come up with a different answer. Now, mm-hmm. as far as traps are concerned, I am not fond of what we call pre-generated trap. You know, like you're you're um, you know you're going down the corridor and there's a, a spring trap or a, those are. I mean, I guess I play with a lot of experienced people. Uh, those usually, I mean, if I'm a player, I tend to just run by them, barely slowing slowing down because they're they're almost predictable. I love psychological traps more than I like physical traps. But can you tell us a bit more about that? Then let's just go straight to the to the good stuff. <laughs> my apologies. Okay, like I, I'll give an example. One of my favorite traps. I used to call it the greed room. So basically, the players show up, and um, they find this room filled with treasure, but not just treasure specifically. As they go through the treasure, they find literally the one item that they were looking for. So like this, you know, magical, like a Vorpal sword or the the armor that just completes their set. Here's the thing. The spell on the room is that you can leave, but you cannot leave with anything that was in the room. Uh Uh-huh. And... the ceiling starts to come down and grow spikes. Oh dear! Now here's the part that's cool: is t- will they abandon the one thing that they were looking for, mm-hmm. or will they try to hang on to it so long and and actually get killed? And I've actually had players die 
Wow. Because, this is a real test. <laughs> because right to the last second, they were sure that they somehow they could get this thing out. That's it sounds so cruel. <laughs> <laughs> but apart to me, that's a lot more interesting as a trap. Mm-hmm. Now, my other senses, as everyone knows, is I'm a very big realist. Mm-hmm. I think traps have to make sense within the context. So, for example, um, one of the most common traps would be like in a castle where they used to have uh, uh, you know, uh, for example, or uh, what they call murder holes, that sort of thing. And they're usually manned. I really never thought much of like, you know, if you just got a trap and you're just leaving it there, unless you're trying to trap animals, it's not particularly effective. Um, magic, of course, makes that a little bit better, but still, they have to make sense within the context. And usually within the context, they're usually manned and they usually, you know, include, you know, guards or that sort of thing. So, yeah, I guess uh, just bringing it back to the question then, uh, uh, how do you help the players that are stumped by uh, the, the so, riddle puzzle trap that you've got? And do you have any meta, non-meta way games of giving hints? Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to, everyone will probably expect this answer. I don't help them. There's nothing that says that you've got to actually make it past this. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that says that you have to succeed. And that's, I think, one of the big uh, issues to me anyways in a lot of games. you got this one dungeon. You must go down this one dungeon. You must make it to the bottom. You must kill a lich. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Why, mm-hmm. why is that an actual necessity? Yeah. Why, why must you go down this dungeon? Why yeah. can't you go elsewhere? I yeah. I've defeated traps in a whole bunch of ways, a lot of times by simply avoiding them. Um, yeah. We had one that was, um, um, it was a, a dungeon full with traps, but it was like deep underground. It actually started with this massive sewer grate and it just went down from there. And I didn't really want to do the whole trap thing. So I got some workmen, I diverted a river into it. That's uh, interesting. Just, and anything that floated to the surface, we killed. Wow. But again, like I said, it's, it's, there's nothing that says that you should succeed. So if I have a trap and they don't, wear, and they don't succeed, either go back, go around, uh, dig under, dig over. But I, I I'm curious not... then, like uh, Gavin or, 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 or Daryl, do you have any, um, do you have a, an alternate view on this? Anything that you'd like to add to this uh, discussion? Uh, I do. Actually, I made some notes specifically on riddles, uh, very specifically, uh, and why they're not good design for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so uh, I, I, I am very, very personally <laughs> super strong opinionated on don't do riddles in D&D, but there are some reasons for it. I think good design, okay. I think good design is to have the answer within the game. Right, so you put someone in in a room, and there's a puzzle in the room, or there's a trap in the room. Right, you know the answer to be able to get around it, or or to defeat it, or whatever. Right, needs to be kind of there in the game, and I feel that riddles don't do this at all. Right, and that's a big big problem with why riddles kind of suck. Right, <laughs> um, so you're not, you know, and, and then you end up with like they're 
they're not people players aren't making their characters do anything to solve a riddle they're just okay. sitting at the table trying to think of an answer right because the answer isn't in the game it's like well what can you come up with and uh, so it's just it's, it's bad design okay. unfortunately all the way around I mean, they're fun yeah to do by yourself right you know you get the riddles in the newspaper and you like try to solve them yeah great Right, you know, but in the game, it, it, it's really uh, uh, like I really feel like it, it's it's like trying to put a it's trying to put the adventure or, or campaign behind a save or die roll, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Roll, you know, can you succeed or not? It can you get this answer or not? Right, you know, it, it's 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 bad. It's just bad all the way around. Okay. Um, but a good design is to have everything there right so mm -hmm. it well i think the interpretation of riddle here like honestly like these are just things that are written in the chat and someone could have meant like the riddle is actually more of a puzzle or they could have meant like the riddle like the word thing and and it really could be either so i i think we should um uh, look at it in a, in a broad interpretation kind of way and and uh, you know well, like, uh, riddles aren't very broad by definition they are like a, a they, they are like a question and answer Right. You know, I have a riddle. I have a question and I and I'm looking for that answer. And that is why they are different than puzzles. In fact. OK. Right. And so I think when people think about, oh, I want to have like a puzzle room or whatever. You, right. You know, you need to stay away from these, you know, uh, you know, the raven in the desk or, you know, yeah. uh, the Sphinx is uh, what has three legs, four legs in the morning, two in the afternoon and three in the evening. It's. Yeah. Very popular and well known. But if you don't know it, if no one at your table knows it, they're yeah. probably never going to get it. Yeah. Right? Okay. And yeah. No, I, I, I get it. And I, and I agree with you. And I think probably a number of people in our audience agree as well. And I, I suspect that they're, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but I think they're probably more interested in the traps and the puzzles. So, right. All right. So then when you look at puzzles, what you want is you want something where, uh, everything with they can everything they need to solve it is in there right so um you can like one like a puzzle that i i, I have i've done and, and kind of enjoyed um you know uh, kind of going through like a, a mummy's tomb right you know and of course you're expecting to fight the mummy at the end the mummy's alive right but then you end up with uh, a door you can't get by so you have like mummy is alive written in common and maybe in 11 other languages the same warning um, you have pressure plates with uh, shapes on there, right? You know, uh, you have uh, statues, pharaohs or sphinxes or whatever with uh, hold that that are like candle holders, but they're holding out different fingers. And what you'll find is like all the fingers are total 12. Mummy's Alive has 12 letters. It's written 12 times, uh, uh -huh. right? You know, and, and so then you're looking for the shapes with 12 sides and those are the three or two to three to four pressure plates you push down. The answer is all within that room. You can explore that room. You can have that character say, yeah. well, I want to go over to this statue. I want to, you know, how many of these can I read on the wall? Yeah. So, so basically you're saying you, you just create a bunch of redundancy into the hints so that if they miss the first three or four or so, that there's going to be another one that they can pick up on. Uh, and if they, even if they don't get the hints explicitly, they could say, oh, there's a lot of things here. Like, um, maybe it's a warning. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Well, and the great thing about, you know, something like that is you could brute force your way through it, right? You know, yeah. you may not get the right answer, you know, right away or whatever, but you could just keep trying different things until you get it. 
right? Yeah. So even if you don't solve it by, you know, like, even if you make it through and you're like, I don't understand how we did it, you still made it through and you still follow, as a DM, you can say, well, you still follow the rules of this puzzle. Mm-hmm. Can I ask a question? Yeah. So it um, it actually kind of reminded me of, because, uh, again, I'm not very fond of these kinds of puzzles myself, but it always reminded me, I don't know if you ever, if you read Lord of the Rings, but you know when the dwarves arrive at the mountain and there's a door and it says speak friend and enter. Oh yes. And, yes. and they stand there for like a day or whatever. I was like going, it's an entire party of dwarves. They gotta cut a tunnel from <laughs> where they were to the corridor behind the door. Yeah. In yeah. a lot less time than it took them to guess the word. Which is actually, you know, the thing with the mummy and all that, that's what I would have done too. I would have gone, well, the amount of time it's taken to take me to solve the puzzle, I'm yeah, dig through the wall beside it. Yeah, that makes sense uh, as well. And in fact, the example that you gave is uh, showed up in our in our chat uh, about oh, a puzzle for a wizard, um, and someone said, "Oh, well, uh, Gandalf's a fighter, not a wizard, and he smoked too much of the halfling's leaf." <laughs> <laughs> but the question there was, um, and I'll just segue into that actually. Um, and the question is uh, about. Um, uh, making the puzzle um, appropriate to the character. Like, why would you give, um, if I go back, there's a lot of chat in this, um, something like a puzzle that you think that they would easily solve. Um, basically, why would you throw a, a riddle at a, at a, at a uh, no, you know what, let's get away from riddles. Let's talk puzzles. Why would you throw a puzzle at a, at a wizard with a high intelligence who you think can easily do it? And then the chat, um, they're saying basically, well, why wouldn't you? Uh, because, you know, they could always roll a one or you don't know what's going to happen. So there's this also this idea that you might have set a trap or a puzzle uh, for a character who you think has all the skills to do it. Uh, and this is uh, near and dear to me because I've had this happen. Uh, and then even in spite of their plus 10, they, they, they still fail. So um, maybe some thoughts on that. And I'd like to hear from Gavin because we haven't... Um, heard from Gavin yet. Gavin, do you, is this a question that you'd like to, uh, to answer? Yeah. Um, so puzzles, I, I mean, when I, whenever I think about like traps or puzzles, I, I don't use riddles much either. I have in the past in a couple different situations, but, uh, it's usually a, a little different, but the main thing to me when you're talking about any of these is, um, you, you got to consider what they're adding to your story. You know, uh, why is this puzzle here? not just in terms of does it make sense in the game world, but does it make sense, you know, in the story? And part of that is, do you have a group of players and a group of characters that are going to enjoy dealing with the puzzle? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times where I, when I've seen puzzles or riddles or even traps just fall flat is when what you are playing is a dungeon crawl game and what you have is a group of players and characters who really want to mess things up in combat um, so they'll do, okay, they're fine with traps, but they didn't actually show up at any, any given night to sit down and do puzzles. Right. Uh, and then and that's the reality of our hobby is different groups want different things. For the yeah. most part, people don't get into RPGs because they want to do puzzles. They sit down with <laughs> a puzzle book because they want to do puzzles. Yeah. You can do it, but you want to make sure that it's really adding to your story. Um, it should be tied to your game world. It should be tied to the character's goals. I generally don't use puzzles as part of a main storyline. Yeah. Uh, what I'll do is I will use them in a side quest where the PCs have the, uh, you know, a clear opportunity to look at it and go, yep, screw that, and just keep walking. Okay. Uh, so that, that's an interesting segue. If I, if I can just throw this in, it was a question that got upvoted quite a bit. 
uh, from Josh. Uh, and it says, uh, how do you make sure you avoid a puzzle or riddle being a barrier to progress? And this is a big issue in CRPGs where you get stuck in a puzzle. Uh, and I think you just, you just nailed that. And, and I'll say you'll actually notice that in modern CRPGs, they very rarely tie the puzzles or riddles anymore to the main quest. It's usually mm -hmm. part of a side quest or it's a stop on a main quest that gives you an opportunity to get sort of, you know, a really cool item or ability or something, but you don't need it to keep going. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's generally my recommendation with puzzles is, you know, you don't really have to worry about them becoming a block to your main game if you just, just don't put them in a position where they can be. Right. Okay. Uh, that's, I, I love your, uh, I love your example of, uh, of putting them into the side quests. And I, I think that uh, even, um, uh, just e even uh, if your if your game has uh, some life that carries on into like the the, the downtime, so to speak, uh, that's also a place where uh, you know there there can be time where you're not sitting at the table where you can muddle things over, think about it uh, before you come back to the next game, and and that's kind of a neat way to uh, to think about that. Um, that's uh, add to that. Like if you're putting it in as a side quest, I mean, you could really kind of have your. Uh... Your puzzle, you can you can start off with like a clue that's like a cell scroll that like, well, you have to perform this ritual, but it's it's written in a cryptic kind of way, and then you get that puzzle. Now, again, if it's a side quest, it doesn't need to be something that moves on, but it also then gives the players an opportunity to get an idea of what's down that side quest before you even go. Yeah, and what I'll do a lot of times with these is I'll put them in the PC's hometown or near their base or something, and I won't put a time limit on it. So... You know, they come back in between sort of whatever they're doing. They want to take another whack at the puzzle. They take five minutes on in a session. It's oh. not they break away, go do something else. But they know that the, you know, the vault is there when they come back. And they uh, and maybe while they're out, if I want to throw them an extra clue on the puzzle, I can tie that into the story. That becomes a reward in and of itself. Because now oh. they're one step to unlocking the celestial vault underneath the tomb they cleared out early on in their career. Yeah, I, I, I like that. Uh, I like that a lot. The idea of um, having time to revisit a puzzle that it doesn't, it's not life and death. You go and do your thing, you come back, you, you, you get stumped by it time and again, and then get these little clues. And eventually you have, you know, probably even a, a, a greater um, sense of success and achievement when, when you finally do crack it. Um, sure. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I'm going to go on to another question here. Uh, and this one is from... Uh, our Avray Wrangler, Brandon, uh, how do you make sure that it's the PCs who are being challenged by the puzzles and riddles that you introduce in the game and not the players themselves? As an example, oh, this was the, uh, uh, as an example, a wizard who is constantly reading will have very different capabilities and knowledge relative to the person playing that character. So how do you design a character for the wizard instead of uh, for the player? Who would like to take that one? I like to make my puzzles very tactile, right? You know, so we want players, we want player characters doing something. So then it becomes not just what the knowledge you have, but the application thereof. And that really, I find, I find that opens it up to uh, the wizard may know things, but needs to do things. And the barbarian uh, may not know things, but maybe he's a little wise, but he still needs to do things. And as long as you're moving forward by having to to look at things or to interact with the environment in some ways, uh, those I find have been very well-received puzzles that I... Mm -hmm. Okay, anyone else have a comment on that one? Uh, a quick one. One thing that you can very easily do with most systems to kind of um, draw emphasis to the uh, character's abilities, and I'll, I'll use the example of a trap, 
Uh, so I'll go to, uh, you know, let, let's just say your basic system could be D&D, could be something else, and everybody's got an intelligence bonus. It makes sense if your wizard has an intelligence bonus of plus four, give him four tries at doing thing, something, but with no consequences until, you know, that last one. So basically, he gets mm. three, three tries to do whatever he wants with the trap, but it's all going on in his own calculating mind. He gets to know what would have happened if you tried to get around the trap in this way, uh, but he doesn't actually take any risk from doing so. Then you have, you know, the uh, the club wielding, um, I'm not going to say barbarian because that's kind of prejudiced against bar barbarians, but it's <laughs> club wielding percussionist bard who's about as dim as you can get. Yeah. Uh, he only gets one shot and he beats the consequences for whatever he tries. Uh, it's a real sort of quick little fix, but it does sort of uh, promote that characters who are smarter or have training or whatever you want to base it on get a few extra consequence-free tries to figure out what's going on before they have to make their real attempt. Well, it also brings up this interesting concept, too, about um, the characters working together to solve the puzzle. And I think that that's also where the game uh, starts to really take off in, in, in getting interesting in terms of the role play. Uh, that uh, characters start to realize, like, oh, I can do this, and you can do that, and but to muddle it out and figure it out on their own to the degree that they're capable of interacting, uh, you know, can also be, uh, I, I think, an amusing uh, part of it. Uh, Michelle, do you have anything you'd like to add to this? A little bit. So, in my opinion, any puzzle or situation like that that you can resolve by rolling a die, I wouldn't bother. I don't see the point. Um, you just, oh, look, I rolled a die, I succeed or I fail. It's, it's incredibly dull. I do think, I do think that, uh, I really like the comment, by the way, about uh, coming back. I think it actually sort of um, match well with my idea that you don't necessarily have to go down this particular hallway or this trap. Yeah. You can always come back later, which, again. But it's is, enticing. You want yeah, to. <laughs> you want to. And then, but you might not be able to just yet. Right. The other thing is. I think it's fun to have what's the right little role playing a little, little bit with your puzzles. Um, like for example, <laughs> we're talking about riddles. I think I used one one time because I had a party of barbarians or something like that. But it oh, was, okay. I think the riddle was um, how many chickens should you eat? <laughs> the answer was all the chickens. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it was. It was a, you know, kind of, um, you know, I was having fun, but it was kind of a barbarian sort of. Uh, yeah. Uh, Not that we're trying to be racist against barbarians or other club-wielding uh, characters. No, God, no. <laughs> it just means to bark like a dog. So anyway, the, um, but I think if you have, like, for example, I had one, uh, one of my favorites, I think, uh, was that this door, it was like a adamantite door, really big one. But it was also alive and sentient. Hmm. Named Dora. <laughs> Dora the door. And a lot of it had to do with role playing. Mm -hmm. The door could, in fact, open on its own because it is sentient. Now, whether it would, to, would do or not, it right. really depended on how you approach the subject. Interesting. Those are my, those are my thoughts. Like I said, it's uh, my main thing is. I hate having to channel players down a specific thing. Yeah. Where, uh, we, we had the same thing with when I was talking about combat. Anything where you just go, I roll a die. And be like, well, 
you know, and it shouldn't have just one solution. I think somebody else pointed yeah. that out. Yeah. If it only has one solution and it exists only in your mind, <laughs> odds are no one else is going to get it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like I, I've been in that kind of a trap where uh, it, it was really carefully devised by the by the GM, uh, but none of us characters understood what the trap actually was, and we we saw threats that didn't exist, and we just knew that we were in trouble. Um, uh, and uh, we, we took a lot of risks and nearly got ourselves killed trying to uh, uh, avoid the uh, the simple solution. Yeah. Um, Michelle's dead on there, by the way. Mm -hmm. like, beyond traps and riddles really good general game master advice if anything in your game requires that your players read the gm's mind in order to proceed you're gonna have a problem uh-huh yeah so let, let's let's segue on that then um what is uh, if you find yourself as a gm and you've you've accidentally done this you didn't realize that it was going to be so hard you thought this was so obvious why doesn't everybody think like me and yet lo and behold none of them are getting it uh and the consequences could could be severe how do you recover from that how do you change the game so that it's uh, so that it is back into the player's uh, fair territory, without making it seem like you know just like like you just fudged it? Oh, so I mean, I can answer that, but I, I guess I really can't. My response to that is I'd probably just say to the players, "Hey, guys, stepping out of the game for a sec. I didn't think that uh, the solution to this was going to be as obscure as it obviously is." Mm -hmm. Do you guys want to keep trying for a while? Do you want a hint or do you want to sort of, uh, you know, uh, retcon this slightly and uh, give you another way by? Because the goal is not to spend the entire session sitting here trying to figure this out. Now, obviously, if I haven't set it up so that they can't get by, you know, they can't continue, I'm fine. But if they're in it and they really want to solve it, I'll just have that conversation with them mm -hmm. uh, and, and see what they want to do. Uh, That's... Sorry, that's just brilliant. Like, and and it's 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 that's that's the puzzle for that's the GM's puzzle in itself, isn't it? It's like you're like, uh, uh, this isn't going well. What do I do now? <laughs> like, the GM yeah. is constantly faced with the puzzle of what's gonna what's gonna work uh, for for the for these characters and for these players. Keep it interesting and and keep it keep it high, keep it fun. Uh, and and that you do have that tool that you can, like you say, kind of call a timeout and go back into. Um, you know, reality for for a moment, and uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's that's brilliant and and uh, absolutely a card that can be played um, to great effect. So yes, thank you for that. That's um, you pass. <laughs> I'll give you a pass. Hey. In fact, I'll give you an inspiration point. <laughs> um, I have another question here I'd like to ask. Um, and forgive me, I'm losing track of some of the questions because there are quite a few, uh, and I'm uh, uh, pretty uh, just just needing to to pay a lot of attention. I'm not skimming so much. Um, so if there's a question that somebody really wants answered, if you could just ask it again so it comes pops up on the screen. Um, the question is, what is your experience with narrating a trap encounter? Uh, for example, not just rolling for a single check and damage but rather a series of roles that give players the possibility of using their skills and abilities to avoid or mitigate, reduce the impact of a trap or a series of trap. Uh, and would you consider this as an alternative to a traditional single check? So I'm going to paraphrase this question just a little. Uh, it's basically saying like, how, do you, how can you, or what is your experience in trying to make this um, more interesting um, uh, that it's a, uh, it, it, it brings about some entertainment becomes 
um, like creates a bit of tension in, 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 in the game. What's your experience with, uh, with doing that and have you had success with it? I, I can jump in. Uh, sure, go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, who's jumping in? <laughs> I, I, I thought you'd all be fighting for that one. I'm so sorry. Please. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, I am a huge fan of traps that are uh, that are not just that one sort of, you know, oh, you missed it, roll for damage. Um, I, I don't want to eat up too much time here, but one of, the, one of my big philosophies on traps that I think kind of cuts against the, the traditional grain sometimes uh, all of my traps are easily detectable. Uh, I want my PCs to find traps. I don't hide them well. There is almost always something in the environment that's going to be very make it very clear to them that, uh, hey, there's probably a trap around here. Whether there's some half-melted skeletons on the floor or there's a giant statue with a gaping, yawning mouth uh, of darkness. And there's a few reasons I do that. Um, you know, one is because to me, the fun part of traps is not whether or not the PCs find them, it's how they deal with them. Uh, so I make traps that can be detected, or at least tell them that they're there. It doesn't tell them everything. They don't look down the hall and be like, well, clearly this is an acid trap that's going to come out of those two holes on the ceiling when we cross this line or whatever. <laughs> they know something's there, and then they have to deal with that. So then you get into skill checks. Once they figure it out, they have to make a decision. Do we go around this? Do we, you know, ignore it? But I'll usually almost always, if I'm going to put a trap in a game, I'm going to give them a reason uh, to go through it. And more to the point, I'm going to give them a reason to set it off. Because if you think about it, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Indiana Jones uh, movies here. The fun parts of the Indiana Jones movies are not when he, you know, goes back to town and gets an engineering company <laughs> and a bridge over the trap. It's when yes. he sets it off and goes running through it, or he sets it off and has to yes. dodge it. Or, you know, that's what I'm looking for in, in my games, which tend to be yes. highly static. Um, so I, wherever possible, I will give them a reason to set it off, whether it be it's going to damage someone else or they can get to a better magic item. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing I've done in the past in mini games that works really well, and after this I'll, I'll toss the baton, uh, if you have traps that are magical, power them with magic items, but make it so the PCs can only get that magic item if they're willing to set the trap off and get through it. Because suddenly, now your PCs aren't going to try to find their way around the trap, they're going to be racing each other to right. get through the trap to see what's on the other side. Yeah, but isn't that part of the fun of D&D is that you have that exhilarating experience of like rushing straight into danger and being heroic and getting great rewards and sometimes you get burned, but... Exactly. I, I want to write stories where PCs are throwing themselves through the swinging blades, not where they're, you know, calling a, a three-week wait while they wait for the oil. <laughs> that's, you know, not what I'm looking to run, but that's... I uh, know I, I like that because it, in, in, it encourages a level of excitement uh, in the game, which will appeal to a number of people or give people a chance to um, encourage them to 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 take those kinds of uh, of chances. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, does does someone else have a comment on that one? Well, yeah, I kind of like what he said about you know wanting to set it off. Um, I know that like. One, I don't generally put a lot of traps in, and when I do put in a trap, it's more like an obstacle. Like, uh, there's a pit trap. No, there's a pit. And what are you <laughs> going to do, right? How are you going to get across the pit? It's clearly a pit trap, but it's there. You still got to deal with it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, because uh, I, I, you know, I, I like it when a, a trap, a good trap, if you're going to do one, and, and, and I'm not, I personally not the best at traps per se. 
But uh, I find that uh, what I'm looking to do is I'm looking to engage my players and engage my, you know, and engage the player characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So uh, on the converse side uh, to making them so obvious, uh, sometimes I make them really, really difficult to find and really difficult to detect. And, and again, I'm still kind of working some of this through as I continue to uh, expand and grow as a, gen, as a, as a GM. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's something that I took from uh, something that Dale Kingsmill said. Uh, she's an Australian uh, YouTuber, uh, and she kind of rambles, and she's very creative, and she just puts things out in the universe and hopes it inspires people. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she just kind of said, you know, it's like, oh, well, wouldn't it be great if they step on it, and then they go, and you said, click. So I kind of yeah. say, wouldn't that be great? It is great. You know, so I can, so sometimes if it is a simple trap, if it's, if it is something super simple, um, you know, that I might say, but it's super hard to detect, right? Mm -hmm. So we make a DC of 20 to 30, right? You know, if they do detect it, it's super hard to, uh, to, to undo. So again, you make that a really difficult DC, but then when, if it goes off, you say click and then you say, then you give the players an opportunity. You ask them, what are you going to do with your reaction, right? And so if they discover the trap but haven't uh, but, but failed in disarming it, then they might know more about the trap and be able to better react. Whereas if they just didn't discover the trap, right, you know, then they're just going to take, uh, you know, their lucky guess. But if, you know... But then once they make their reaction, you make their save DC, uh, you adjust it based on what they did. So like if a person size is like flat on the ground, and it's a portocollis trap that's going to come down on them, well, that DC is probably going to go up because lying on the ground didn't help them. But if it's a swinging log trap, right, you know, lying on the ground, that DC is probably going to go down because yeah. they did something really good and they get rewarded for that. I like that because it brings a, an opportunity for the player to respond. It, it brings them into the moment that the trap is set off. So now they're visualizing and experiencing the moment of like, oh, crap, something's about to happen. And what can I do quick uh, to uh, to save my life or something? Uh, as opposed to just like seeing, seeing an axe fall, the protocols close, whatever it is. It's uh, it, it gives them a sense of control in the game. And I think that's part of what we're all looking for when we're in the game. We want to be in the game and, and uh, experiencing it and and uh, working with it and together uh, with the with the GM and the uh, and the player telling the story, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because we want to keep that agency still with the player. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love your answer in, in, in that regard. Um, and, I, and I have a question here. Uh, I'd like I, to. Oh, yeah, sorry. So, sorry. Go ahead, Dark. Did you have um, something to yeah. add to that? A little bit. I like it. I'm. I'm a little bit different in that, well, first of all, I don't make traps, but I also never, I never fudge rolls and I never, you know, retcon anything. So a little, little, little harsher, I guess. Um, but this is actually kind of, I, I've had a number of ideas and some of the traps, I think that, what's the right word? I don't particularly care for traps that don't have a reason. All my traps always have a tactical reason. So if you're trying to defend something, which means that you tend to have the trap works into the story rather than just be a trap. They're tactical. There's a reason there. So you can actually usually figure out that there's going to be a trap there. Like I don't let them be visually obvious because that kind of defeats who would make that kind of a trap unless they're idiots. 
Hmm. Um, but there's an, a reason. So you can usually go, okay, this is defended. There's somebody defending it there. They might have a trap there. Because it's part of the story, you can usually tell. But really, what I love is the kind of more unusual traps. Like, kind of like, I don't know if you've ever tried to do like a Rube Goldberg trap. Anybody know what that is? is? Could you could you explain? Uh, Rube Goldberg was uh, called a Rube Goldberg machine. It was basically, uh, uh, you ever play Mousetrap? You know, when they have like the thing? Yeah. That sort of thing. Uh, a whole slice connected series. Well, Rube Goldberg was an animator. And his, I, his Rube Goldberg machines were like these weird and elaborate things. It used to be like kind of like you open a door and there's a mechanism. It drops some seeds on the ground and then the chicken eats a seed. And because the chicken gets, gets heavier, it sinks a scale, and the ball okay. goes under cute, and it hits a troll in the head, and the wow. troll gets mad and tries to kill the adventurers, but he's tied to a switch, and that oh my gosh. just this unbelievably complex thing. Wow. And those, those are fun because they, <laughs> they're part, you know, they're, they're trying to parse it out is just part of the fun. And the other thing that I really like is um, I used to do uh, something called uh, basically gnome traps. Uh-huh. The reason is, is I always found that it was kind of weird that traps always work. Mm. And they always work the way that you intended. I mean, if you're in a tomb and it's been there for 2,000 years, what are the odds that something still works? But what I love about gnome traps is that sometimes they just either don't work or work completely differently or just explode. Oh, okay. I get it. Like the, the, the whole gnome trinket fiddling with yes, stuff. Yes, fiddling with stuff. Know. It's almost like wild magic. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, sometimes it's kind of fun to have a trap that looks like totally deadly, uh-huh. but it turns out that, you know, you go click, <laughs> all these huge spikes come out, but they're not quite long enough to reach you. Right, right. Oh, geez. Keep your characters on edge, your players on edge. <laughs> that would be fun. Is somebody miscalculated? Well, oh, no. Surely, uh, or it was aimed for, you know, larger people or, you know, it just, that's the fun part was sometimes the while we're on this uh, subject, someone uh, in, put in the chat something about Grimtooth uh, ch- uh, traps. Does, uh, does, is anybody familiar with those? Yeah, I am. Uh, so Grimtooth traps, they've been released in various forms over the last I don't, almost three decades now, I guess, maybe before. Uh, and it's basically books of these incredibly lethal or not always lethal, but a lot of them are incredibly lethal, incredibly um elaborate traps and there's some fun stuff there but it is really um the ones i've seen anyway are very much a throwback to the you know kill them all sweep the leg there is no mercy in this dojo style of gming Um, where the goal is kind of to pile up those body counts if they fail to check not just the door and the door handle and the door jam but you know (laughs) also the welcome mat so okay i see um there's like there's a hundred traps this one door yeah, someone, someone got really bored. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We, we might, I think that's the kind of trap that you want to come back to. Like you go out adventure, you visit, you come back <laughs> and pick another lock. Set up a bomb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a question here I'm, I'm wanting to get to, and this one is from uh, Papa Legba uh, Alpha, um, and the question is the the ultimately the puzzle is not really there for the PCs, but really there for the challenge and entertainment of the players, not the characters. So it is as much a part of the game as is combat, which is about players typically making intelligent tactical decisions, and role playing, which is ultimately executed by the players. 
And do you design any, do you design along player centric designs versus player character lines? And I think this is really, um, the question is about bringing interest into uh, the puzzle or whatever it is that the, that the character needs to solve. Uh, do you design it with the character in mind or do you design it with the player in mind? Well, I design, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I'll be quick. A uh, player, hundred um, percent. I'm running a game for players, not necessarily for characters. Uh, generally speaking, what the characters like to do is what the player likes to do. Uh, most people don't play characters that are only good at things that they don't want to do. Right. But yeah, I mean, if I'm designing a trap, a puzzle, an encounter, I'm looking at the players around the table and designing something that I think they're going to enjoy. Uh, whether or not their characters would be good at it, bad at it, suited for it, really isn't the point for me. I think that's, that's so true. It's so so insightful. Like, of course, the the it, sorry, it just makes so much sense. Design it for for the player and the and and the character will uh, will 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 comply or at least be amusing about it. Daryl, did you have something to add? Um, yeah, no, I mostly I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I try to make uh, puzzles uh, for engagement, right? Mm -hmm. I want my players to engage uh, with this puzzle by using their player character. Uh, so I think it, I'm definitely making them. For them. So yeah, we, go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to disagree. Okay. I am the I am the contrary DM. <laughs> I make uh, when I make traps or puzzles or whatever, they're part of the world. They're based on what's going on. See. So if it's if it's made by like I said, if these traps are all made by gnomes, they're gonna be like that kind of thing. If they were made by a, a lich, it'd probably involve more undead stuff. Hmm. Uh, they're okay. More, they're more or less based what I think would be rationally, you know, done by whoever built the trap thematic to, to, to the world and the space and the, the creatures that, that the, yeah. the characters be encountering in that area. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't disagree with theming yeah. it to to what's there in the world. I think you're absolutely right that that would make a lot of sense. Uh, but when I make uh, when I make any adventure or any campaign, I think uh, I'm always thinking about how am I going to engage the player characters and I think the trap or a puzzle is just no different than how am I going to engage with this battle? How am I going to engage with this town? How am I going to engage with this quest giver? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got like some follow-up um, commentary from uh, from Alpha here. It, it says, um, he says, uh, it's if you want to make your pieces, if, if that's what you intend, that's fine. The main point of his question, though, is more that designing puzzles or riddles for the players is easy. They're just puzzles and riddles. Making puzzles and riddles for the characters is much harder. And I, I think this might be um, <laughs> similar to uh, some, some challenges that can happen also with combat about finding the right level, uh, just the right, not too much, and, and pulling something off with uh, with success that the that the players enjoy, right? Oh, sorry, this is from, that was from Brandon. <laughs> Maybe sorry. part of that is because uh, like combats, we have mathematical models, uh, whether you use the CR system or Cobalt's yep. uh, Dungeon Online or, or whatever. Uh, you know, there are there are a lot of models that say like if you have characters of this proximate level with these general abilities, um, you know, then you can throw monsters that are this difficult at them, right? And so uh, we've gotten really good at that part in terms of developing uh, a game like Dungeons and Dragons. But puzzles are a little different in that um, 
you really gotta know maybe a little more your players what it is can they actually reasonably figure out how logical are they or uh, even if I put all the answers in the in the room uh, mm. that their that their characters are playing in, right. uh, it doesn't mean that uh, they'd be able to get their way there. So sometimes I'd like to have something that well, you can brute force your way through it if you need to, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm seeing like a lot of um, a lot a lot of great tips coming back. I'm just going to recap a couple things that I heard here. Cause I think they're all good, like answers in the room, everything that they need. Um, players can work it out together. They can have multiple chances. Make it for the players. Um, don't don't make it something that they have to do. The trap can be optional to have like great risk. With great risk comes great reward, and maybe something that they can come back to or as a side quest. I think these this there's some really excellent advice that's been uh, coming out in in, uh, in this uh, uh, in this chat so far. Uh, did anyone have anything they wanted to add to this? Uh, probably. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, please. When given a chance. Uh, I guess uh, just a real quick piece on traps, too. Yeah. Uh, there, there tends to be this uh, tendency to think of traps as, uh, you know, the very traditional, the pit trap or the blade that comes out of the wall and takes your head yeah. off. Most common type of trap in the real world is an alarm. Uh, it's not something that does damage, uh, traps somebody. It's literally just something that makes a lot of noise. Yeah. And in guards. Right. Uh, so don't ever forget alarms. The second most common kind of trap in the real world is actually an ambush, which is still um, kind of trap. It's right. you know, luring you in and then boom, uh, yep. they rip off. Right. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, I, I, my, my big thing about traps, um, I go big with them. I don't have to impress them in any single blade that comes out of the wall and, you know, clips somebody in the head. I want a giant chamber with a, with a you know fifty foot tall ziggurat and there's crocodiles around the <laughs> when you empty the chamber there's you know flaming oil starts belching out of the sides of the ziggurat and flowing <laughs> down and you've got to get up to the top to get out and there's only so many safe paths and by the way the other enemy forces just entered the cavern from the other side and they're also trying to make it to the top what do you do go. <laughs> Because I want, I want the kind of thing where they have to make multiple moves and they have to face multiple dangers. Uh, I don't want one quick roll and then we're moving on. That's not worth breaking up the flow of the narrative for me. Uh, traps right. should be big, huge, amazing set pieces that ideally people talk about as long as they talk about a good combat. Right. Okay. So um, I, I guess uh, another question uh, sort of related to this. So you've got the traps are there. Uh, how do you call for uh, perception checks to keep a trap, um, like, to help them find a trap uh, while still keeping it secret? Pass a perception if they're regular players. Yep. I don't. <laughs> they know they <laughs> I just move right on to what do you do next? Okay. Um, I'm, um, I'm the same way. I the, the point of most traps is for them to be concealed, but sometimes they're not. But generally speaking... I don't usually just, what's the right word? As I said before, saving with combat, I don't usually level adjust my combat either. Um, neither do I basically just sort of hold people by the hand as far as traps are concerned. Usually the traps fit the circumstance. So if you're, you know, bearding a trap maker in his own lair, you probably would expect traps and mm-hmm. you know, behave appropriately. Um, really, if uh, if not, then you know sometimes it gets pushed. 
So I think sometimes uh, the fun is in not seeing the trap, but instead walking straight into it. And um, Michelle, you talked earlier about the, that greed trap. And um, I think, you know, I had, uh, I had the experience of walking straight into it and uh, helping my party make sure that we got everything that we thought we wanted. And uh, Daryl, Theo can, can speak to, can vouch for this. <laughs> uh, and we thought we had succeeded and, and felt quite, um, you know, quite good about it. And so we came back and found that none of the items that we had made off with were actually working in the way expected. So uh, it was a different kind of uh, trap, but um, uh, it, it was it was pretty fun. Uh, uh, Daryl, do you want to talk about the? Do you want to talk about that? Talk about my gods of overpower? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that was that was actually really fun. Um, I, I was really thinking uh, for a long time. I was like, man, this is a lot of power to give to a party this early in the game. Uh, to have that and have that twist at the end. That was very enjoyable for me as a player. Uh, it really was. Um, so basically, we went into the Feywild, and my character negotiated a deal that we all got these fabulous, uh, art, like magic objects. Uh, like for for a pittance, uh, for nothing as a gift for uh, you know buying one item of true magical power, and then we got back and, and they worked for one round one combat session. And we got back to the real world, uh, and my character with her um, uh, invisibility cloak uh, found herself uh, uh, her clothes had turned invisible. <laughs> and, right. and, uh, and I had gauntlet power over like a. Uh, Gauntlets of Ogre Power and a Termian and an Ogre. Someone has spider. Kind <laughs> of a spider. <laughs> these, are, these are old puns. It's like the uh, axe dwarven thrower that throws dwarves. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or the ring of vampire for generation that regenerates vampires. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was a really fun trap to to, to walk into. Uh, and Alpha's saying that that was the inspiration, actually. This was our Golden Glory game. Um, There's only, man, somebody went through like old D and D puns. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I didn't. I wasn't familiar with them, and and I think uh, Daryl. I think uh, I speak for all of us, and I say that we we laughed pretty hard at, at, at that, and they were. They were they were really fun. So maybe there's some inspiration there uh, as well. It was it was really fun to not know that we were actually that we'd actually fallen straight into the trap, and uh, it gave us a little bit of something to. You know, for our for our GM to uh, I guess have some revenge at us for uh, for killing his big monsters so easily as well. So I, I guess there's a, that too. That, that there can be that interplay uh, with the GM and the and the players too, and in, in how you're interacting with the traps. I got a quick one. If you don't yeah. Mind. So again, like I I don't only play D and I play a whole bunch of different games. Yep. And uh, my favorite traps are the ones that you don't realize is a trap until much, much later. And I, I mean sometimes much, much later. And those are the fun ones to me. Um, we played a game of Cyberpunk. I'm not sure if anybody's played it. it but, yeah. It's, it's kind of like near future. Okay, so we played a game of uh, Cyberpunk I was DMing. And I had the players, they were connected to kind of a game. And then they come out and they continue on their adventures and et cetera, et cetera. And their adventures are going really well. Like everything is going great and they get more powerful and they succeed. I think we played it like two months, two, three months. Mm -hmm. Turns out there's something called brain dance. It's basically like a, uh, what they call better than life. It's a BTL. Okay. Basically, yeah. It's, it's just like the real world. You're just like almost like you're in the real world, but everything is going really, really well. 
all the time. <laughs> and it took them months to realize that they were still in the computer, that they were still oh. in the net, and that nothing they were doing was real. Oh, wow. Until, until they got so successful that it was almost silly. Yeah. Like nearly godlike. And then they and then one person went one person went, Oh crap, we're still in the we're still in the net. And they all threw stuff at me. Oh that's yeah, I could I could imagine, but they, they probably felt really uh uh you know great about getting out of it too at the end too, right? <laughs> well, I think if it, yeah, it was actually really funny. I think they still You survived. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, yeah, I did. The, um, I think some of the best traps and some of the best um, puzzles and all that are the things where they really become woven into the story. They don't, they're not just a, well, in my case, there's two different ones. Like I said, there's the ones that are tactically there. They're there to be, they're part of the world. That's yeah. logical. But the other ones that are fun are the ones that are sort of aimed at a certain psychology or to something that reveals something about the players and the characters that either pulls on their greed or, you know, it's uh, really quite fun. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Um, I want to just, uh, I've got a few questions we haven't gotten to yet and I want to see if we can get some of these in. So if we could do um, some as quick as you can, but still meaningful answers, um, let's not sacrifice meaning for the sake of speed. Uh, any recommendations on how to give information about traps and puzzles without giving too much away? And Michelle, sounds like you did a great job there with uh, with leading him into that uh, that path of, you know, ultimate too much success. So there's got to be something wrong. Um, any other um, comments on that one? Um, Anyone? Yeah, I can <clears throat> real quick. Remember that a trap isn't just one sort of homogenous piece. Uh, traps have trigger mechanisms, payloads, delivery mechanisms. Uh, power sources, reset mechanisms, and you can tell your characters about any one of those without giving away the whole trap. It gives them the piece of information, not the whole thing. Uh, the other big thing is traps are a fantastic place to uh, engage the sort of non-sight sense, which is to say describing what they hear, uh, what they smell, what they taste, what they feel. Uh, mm -hmm. You could have simply a hallway that they walk into, and as they walk into it, there's this low vibration underneath that they feel more than here. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, right away, they know something is very wrong here and they can act on that knowledge. You've given them the heads up so there's no worries about them just walking into something. Um, and then you can just build out from there. Uh, even if you hadn't thought up what it was going to be when you said that, which I've done many a times in a game. And then you just play off whatever they give you. So mazes and shifting hallways, how about that? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, if that seems to be what, whatever they say, if they're like, oh, man, I hope this isn't one of those places where we get spun around in the hallways. Well, yeah, probably it is now, isn't it? Um, not necessarily, but it's not always a bad idea to, you know, throw something out there and then go with what the uh, players give you. But yeah, for, for sort of tipping them off with information about traps, you don't have to tell them how the whole thing works. You can just tell them just enough to make them feel confident. One last question. Do you have any fun examples of traps or puzzles being used for character exposition? Almost all of mine. Pardon me? I said almost all of mine. <laughs> Can you give an example and we'll uh, we'll wrap up with that after? Uh, sometimes the entire adventure can be a trap. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically a mechanical trap. It could be simply, particularly if you're playing 
<clears throat> we're talking about D&D in this case, uh, higher level characters who are probably significant in their world. It could simply be this elaborate scheme to draw the characters into a place where they can be trapped and killed. Right, and that could serve as an excellent plot device and something that keeps your campaign going forward. It's a, especially if they've made enemies along the way. Mm -hmm. Great, um, that's a great setup to have. I think I prefer, one of my favorite is still, you know, like a lot of people would like to make elaborate plot lines ahead of time. I have a world and then basically the world evolves, but my favorite villains a lot of times are the ones that people make along the way. Someone you've cheated or someone right. who, you know, you killed or you, you know, defeated his forces or his nefarious scheme. Or sometimes it's maybe even one of you. I had, I've, <laughs> I've had that. And having a trap that is literally part of, that is the entire adventure. That's the fun part. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool, and and I gotta hand it to you guys. Um, like all three of you, you've just nailed it tonight. These uh, the the answers that, that you've given the and thank you to the to our um, everyone who's posted questions. These are really great questions, and I feel like we've um, I, I feel like we we've just started to dig a little deeper in, in into this uh, into this subject, uh, and and our panelists have uh, really given us a lot to think about. I'm glad it's recorded and I'm glad that the, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the seminar chat as well. So for anyone listening or hearing this uh, podcast as a podcast later, please do check out the seminar chat because I think you'll find uh, some excellent discussion carried on there. Unfortunately, that was our hour and it's, it's, it's time to, uh, to wrap this up. Uh, but uh, please uh, keep an eye out for our next uh, GM seminar coming up in, uh, I think, a couple weeks. And I'm embarrassed to say I don't actually know what it is offhand, but we have been uh, doing a lot of these. We will have more. If you'd like to volunteer as a panelist or as a moderator, please uh, keep an eye out. Just uh, let us know. Put your name in the hat and uh, we would be happy to hear from you. And again, thank you all for uh, for for all of your um, your your input this evening. It was really a great discussion. Thank you. The the next session thank is you. on uh, villains, right? Uh, how, how to make great villains and stuff like that. So oh, I that think that's going to be a fantastic one. So if you guys want to volunteer as uh, you know panelists because of your experience or or even your perspectives, we would welcome uh, you know some some new new voices and and, and uh, new perspectives. Excellent. Thanks, everyone.